Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Caitlin Thomas has been a singer and songwriter from a young age and her first single, I Wish, was released in 2011. Since then, Caitlin has honed her country rock and pop sound and taken it all the way to our TV screens, which we may discuss. Her latest single is the anthemic Pretty Little Thing. Hi, Caitlin. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very happy to be talking to you because I love your country rock sound. It always It's a pep-up sound and I put it on when I'm need a pep up and getting out of the house and all that kind of stuff. Um, So congratulations on the new song, Pretty Little Thing, which makes a statement as well as being just a great toe-tapping track. What inspired the writing of it? So thank you so much. I'm glad that it's doing what it was designed to do. It is that kind of song that, you know, I put on when I'm like getting ready for my day and I'm like, cool, I'm ready to take on today. It's great. Um, But Pretty Little Thing was a song, was a title that I've had in my journal for years and I never really knew what to do with it. I just like had this title, Pretty Little Thing, and I was like, this is cool, but what is it? And it wasn't until uh, last year, actually, where I had a production and recording session with um, M Squared, so Michael Painter and Michael Della here in Melbourne. And I went in there, I already knew what kind of song I wanted to write. I just didn't know what to write. And Pretty Little Thing was a title that I pitched to the boys and they really loved the title. And we started investigating and well, they started investigating me going, why did you write this title? Like, what does this mean? And asking all the songwriting questions. And, you know, I kind of found it, found out that it was about, you know, all the stereotypes that women face every single day in every workplace and um, us not conforming to those stereotypes. Me being from the country music scene and also the music industry as a woman, we're told a lot of things. We're told what to wear, what to say, how to look, how to act, don't sing too loud, stay in your lane. And you know, over the past year and a half, I've been really reflecting on who I am as an artist and who I want to be. Mm-hmm. And Pretty Little Thing shines a light on that and it talks about that and at least starts a conversation about no one really conforming to those stereotypes, whether you're female, male or anything like that, that you are just 100% happy with who you are as a person and mm-hmm. that you are 100% authentically you. And it kind of opened into this self-empowerment and female empowerment kind of song, which obviously I needed to write because <laughs> it was written and produced in three days. Right, right. When they were asking you those questions, just I'm interested in the process, did it feel a little invasive? Like, oh, now I'm not sure if I want you to know what I meant when I wrote that down. No, I was kind of like when I write with people and when I'm writing in general, it's very open. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like an open book. And I do like to think that I am an open book. And, you know, it kind of, it didn't really make it more invasive. I was kind of just thrown. I was like, oh, I've actually never thought about why I wrote it down. I just wrote it down. Mm. And that got me thinking and reflecting and going, well, this is how I'm feeling. And this is how I felt for a very long time. And I've been in the industry since I was eight years old. So about 15 years, which you wouldn't even think, but it's <laughs> been a long time. So I've seen a lot of things and I've witnessed a lot of my friends and all those kinds of things, especially in other industries as well, not just music. And 
I don't know, I guess it was just something that needed to happen and it happened and I'm just really proud that it did. <laughs> well, and it's also you know, what you're describing in the song, um, the, the pressures to look a certain way, be a certain way, they're all impediments to you being the artist you want to be because, of course, if you're just trying to tick everyone else's boxes, how are you ever going to find out what you really want? That's exactly right. And, you know, it's the, there's a line in my song that has, you do you, I'm a do me, but I ain't no pretty little thing. And that is seriously the case. Like, if you want to do that, go for it. But I don't want to do that. And I can't do that. I've tried. I dyed my hair blonde and it was horrible. So (laughs) I've been there. I've done that. And now I'm like, this is who I am. And I think a lot of people feel that way in their lives and in who they are and everyone's still searching to find themselves and pretty little thing I hope kind of guides them into the right direction. I think also for an artist like you, it's a, it's a waste of energy to be thinking about what everyone else wants. You know, you could better direct that energy into making new songs. Yeah, that's right. That's a hundred percent right. It's during COVID, especially like that was three years of constant lockdowns here in Victoria and I had a lot of time to reflect and I was constantly writing because I had time to write, which was amazing. Um, And I was also completing my Bachelor of Music at the same time. So I was being exposed to different genres and reading up into like uh, literally reading into um, the stereotypes that women face in the music industry. So if it wasn't for my Bachelor, I probably wouldn't have written this song because I didn't realise how passionate I am about it until I did all this research and stuff into it. So it was quite interesting, but yeah. Given that the title was something you wrote in a journal, it's obviously something that stayed with you. I'm wondering if as a songwriter over the years, I say over the years and you are still a young woman, but you have, as you said, 15 years, um, whether you've learnt that the ideas that keep nagging at you are the ones that are worth pursuing. Oh, definitely. They they definitely are because I've got so many, I've got multiple journals all around everywhere. Like I've got some in the car and I literally just write down things when they happen. And a lot of my songs come from personal experiences, but also like observations of what I see my friends go through, family. So a lot of people in my family are like, are you writing, is this song about me? And I'm like, no, it's not, it's not, I swear. But um, those songs do, those titles especially, if you keep going back to them, there's a reason for that. And um, Pretty Little Thing was one of those. Uh, when you have family and friends asking if the songs are about them, do you feel like saying, don't flatter yourself? <laughs> I do. I do. But I'm like, but you inspired the song, but I just kind of took it on a tangent. Yeah. <laughs> As we do. <laughs> now, yeah, you mentioned those lockdowns for Victorians, which were you know, just appalling. But you you were releasing music throughout that time. So uh, I know you said you were writing, but you also somehow managed to get some music out. I don't know how any Victorian artist managed to do anything in that time. Yeah, I don't know how I did it either. I've, I learned so much during COVID and it was amazing and it was horrible. It was like everything. It was a big mm. roller coaster. And my single that I released during COVID was Coulda, Shoulda, Woulda. <laughs> and that was like, I really wish we weren't in lockdown kind of vibe. But I went to um, Simon Johnson and we produced this track. And it was a song that I co-wrote with five other artists on a songwriting retreat up in, up in Nundal called the Dag Songwriting Retreat. And I 
wrote this song with them and I produced the song, but I wasn't doing anything with it. And during COVID, I was like, okay, just give it a shot. Just chuck it out there. Everyone needs those positive vibes and that energy. And I did. And I'm really thankful for COVID because I probably wouldn't have released that song. And it's one of the songs that keeps getting um, requested at gigs. And, you know, people have it as ringtones now in my family. And they're like, this is what, what when you call, this is like the what do you call it the and I'm like yeah. wow okay but um yeah if it wasn't for COVID I probably wouldn't have released that song so I'm very thankful that I did I don't know how I did it I just kind of took the leap and went well I got nothing else better to do so let's go and we should say that the ref- the refrain in that song is coulda shoulda woulda swiped left swipe left on lockdown swipe left on a whole lot of things that's right that's right <laughs> so you said you mentioned you work with Simon Johnson but that song you also talked about walking, working with M Squared to record Pretty Little Thing had you worked with M Squared before this and if not how did you connect with them yeah, so this was the first time that we worked together on Pretty Little Thing. And I've been, I've worked with multiple producers and I finally found producers who understood me, like understand me now and kind of get the big picture of who I want to be as an artist. And they totally get me, which is amazing. And all the other producers that I've worked with have kind of helped me shape into the artist that I am now. It's all been stepping stones. And, you know, I reached out to M Squared because I know a lot of uh, my mutual friends in the country music scene have worked with them. And I was like, oh, they're in Melbourne. What am I doing? Hello, go to Melbourne. Like it's only an hour and a half drive. It's like nothing. So I reached out to them. We had a Zoom meeting and we booked in a date. And like I said, you know, I went there with the title, Pretty Little Thing. And we were talking about that. And I wore this whole rhinestone get up, mind you. I had this um, denim jacket that held, had all these studs and everything on it. So they were just like, I totally get this vibe. Um, and we just, we decided to, we wrote the song the first day and the next day we produced the track. And then the third day I was going in there, laying down my main vocal, my ad-libs, harmonies, everything. And it was like, it's done. And I was like, that was Nashville. Like that was such a Nashville experience, but M squared are amazing. And I've been working with them over the past year and a half now. So there's more. that's that's good news that's good news and uh in keeping with the energy of the song you recorded the video with a live audience um a live audience imagine that uh did you enjoy that experience though because I don't I think you probably recorded videos in the the old-fashioned way with a studio or whatever before yeah it was amazing I wanted to kind of capture the live essence of the song and instead of going down the storyline I'm like the lyrics tell the story and I wanted to showcase what I'm like with my band and that is my band behind me which is amazing and they absolutely loved the track that was the first time that they were really hearing the track like I sent it to them a few days prior and I was like learn it here you go here's the chart we're meeting on Saturday at this time, blah, blah, blah. And I put out call out into my community and a lot of my students that I teach, mm-hmm. them and their families came, which was lovely. And they'd never heard the song and they were just loving it. And every week from there, they were like, Kate, when are we going to see the video clip? When are you releasing your song? Because A, they loved it, but also they wanted to see themselves. So, um, which was kind of funny, but if I could have paused or clicked pause on that time, I would because it was incredible and I just I had so much you can see it on my face I'm just like vibing and having time of my life and it really was that it was incredible. 
And you had a great looking guitar, a green guitar, um, which also features on the cover art. I'm guessing that is your guitar. Well, it wasn't my guitar, but it is now. Oh. It is now. So my mate Aiden, who plays the electric guitar in the film clip, um, it was his Gretsch. And I've been, I've used it for a couple of photo shoots and I used it for the video clip. And um, he said to me that he was selling it. And I was like, well, I need to buy this now. Uh, this is an unexpected purchase, but I absolutely fell in love with that guitar. I've only ever played acoustic electrics, never electric. And um, I think it suits me. So now I have it. It's behind me, like right there. Oh, right, right, right. In its glory. Yeah. Um, but I absolutely love that guitar. It's beautiful. And yeah, it's just really cool. That's all I can say about it. <laughs> so are you a convert to electric electric now? I don't know. I'm thinking maybe it might might be a thing, uh, especially in a band sense. Um, but I'll still have my my Caitlin Mayton performing and those kinds of things. We'll never get rid of that. That guitar is my child. Um, but the Gretsch will be making a new welcome to the family for sure. Uh, well, the Mayton is a lovely guitar, so I'm not surprised. Now, a very different audience experience happened for you recently with your participation in Australian Idol as a contestant. What made, and you, I should say you reached the top 30. What made you decide to try out for that? Yeah, Australian Idol. I can't even believe that I actually did it, to be honest. I'm still on cloud nine. The fact that I was on reality TV, um, just crazy. But um, Australian Idol was a, well, was a contest that I've always watched as a little kid. American Idol, Australian Idol, everything um, from when I was like like three to when it like finished um here in Australia and a lot of my friends and family asked me Kate when are you gonna do these shows when are you gonna apply and get your face on like the voice or like Australia's Got Talent when are you gonna do it and I was like no they're not my vibe I don't like them um I couldn't see myself being put on the spotlight like that under a fine microscope like microscope mm-hmm. Um, but if Idol came back, I'd apply because I absolutely love the show and it's more about the artistry and has different kind of, um, it focuses on different things. And um, it came back and I went, darn it, okay, <laughs> I have to apply because I've been saying it for years. I've been saying it for like six or seven years now. And, um, yeah, I applied and I had the first Zoom meeting and then that led to a few more and I got put in front of the judges, which was incredible. I was like, oh, my God, this is crazy. Then I'm like, there's so much writing on this right now because I'm a teacher. I teach music. I teach singing. I teach guitar. You know, I'm also in the music industry. So that extra level of pressure was definitely added on. Um, Mm. But I got given a female artist, Gretchen Wilson, redneck woman as my song to audition with so I was like well this is great I perform this one all the time and I just wanted to have a really great first audition that's all that really mattered to me anything past the audition was an added bonus and Mm. I got four yeses and like compliments and I was like this is crazy and I'm like these these people are real (laughs) um what but then yeah making it all the way to the top 30 was amazing and incredible experience and you know you do get caught up in the show and you know you do see yourself progressing further so when it does get cut of course you are heartbroken and I did cry a lot but I was also sleep deprived and you know very hungry and lots of things were happening um because it was a full top 50 week that was just crazy what was shown on tv lasted an episode but it lasted seven days oh wow It was crazy, but I'm so thankful for the experience and I remained true to who I was and 
what I wanted to do. And I just wanted to go on there and showcase country music to a different audience and hopefully get them to see what I love about country music. And I think I did that. I just wanted to give country music that spotlight and make country music proud and also my family proud and myself proud. And I definitely made little Katie, who's eight years old, staring at the television, watching these shows, um, very proud. I felt like I was like a star for her, which was lovely. <laughs> oh, that is. And I've got to say, I picked you straight away. I was watching because I'd seen Piper Butcher on the ads. Yeah. And then I was watching that episode that went, it's Caitlin Thomas. <laughs> so, and it was a great audition, but you also answered a question I was going to ask, which was how you pick a song, but you said they gave you that song to sing. Yeah. So they pick, um, because of copyrights and those kinds of things, all okay. the producers give you the songs to, to right. sing. Um, and I was very fortunate enough to get um, Redneck Woman, a country song, let alone a female country song. I was like, you cannot pair this even better. This is great. This is who I am as an artist. And I absolutely love Gretchen Wilson. She's one of my influences. And um, yeah, Redneck Woman was just a vibe. It was like my favorite <laughs> song ever. So it was great. <laughs> now you talking about when you left and, and being upset reminds me that Lynn Botel tells a great story on stage about The Voice. And she has written a song about being on The Voice. So is there a song in your future about being on Idol? I don't know. If I keep writing about it, maybe. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it sounds like overall that was a positive experience, but given the roller coaster of it, would you recommend it to anyone? I think, look, I think um, Australian Idol out of all of them was amazing in perspective of the artist. Like you were given that moment um, to tell your story, which was lovely. And you're allowed to change things up and that's great. Um, you know, there's, it's great exposure when it comes to being on reality TV, you know, it's, that's what it is. And that's kind of, you've got to be willing to put yourself out there mm-hmm. and everything that you've done in your life is out there. So you have to kind of be aware of that and be okay with people who you probably haven't seen, like a lot of negative things. Like you have to be open to everything. And I, I was mentally prepared for it, which was great. And I was very fortunate to have nothing really negative come out of Idol. So I'm very lucky in that sense. But um, yeah, you have to kind of weigh things up and go, is it worth it for me? Is it not? For me, I was like, well, I have to apply because I've everyone said, you know, I said I would. So it kind of just cycled into that. But um, I'd been thinking about it for a, over six, seven years. I think I manifested Idol to come back, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. Uh, but competing is also something you're used to because you have represented Australia at the World Championships of Performing Arts and you've won medals. So I'm wondering what form that competition takes, the championships. Uh, so the World Championships, yeah, I did that when I was 10 years old. Oh. Crazy to even think about. Um, and it was amazing. I remember it was my first time or my... Yeah, my first time. Yeah, I think it was my first time going over to America. No, scratch that. It was my second time going over to America and representing Australia was, it was like the Olympics in comparison with performing arts. And I got to meet a lot of people from all over the world and different cultures and different backgrounds. And, you know, it was, we had 60 seconds. That was all we got. 
for everything. And I did singing, acting, dancing, which I can't dance, but I did it. Um, I did well, I, can't, I did everything. Um, and I was able to place in all my categories, which was amazing. The wow. dancing one I will take because I'm like, that's, <laughs> you want to know, I can dance because I've got footage and I've got, you know, proof of it. Got a medal, yes. I've got a medal, that's it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but it was amazing experience. And I still look back at the videos and the relationships that I formed when I went over there and I was forever grateful for that and that just came on from YouTube and being contacted by them and I've been on YouTube since I was eight as well so I've been on on social media for a very long time and but yeah the world championships of performing arts was a highlight and I still have fond memories of our big parade and you know getting to meet people and the connections and you know I was already under that spotlight of you only have 60 seconds to impress the judges and that's it. And there were so many rounds. So I guess that kind of prepared me in some sort of way. I don't know. Yeah, maybe when you walked out to audition for Idol, I was like, I feel like this is a parallel dimension of time happening here. That's right, except I'm big now. What's going on? (laughs) Well, now you mentioned um, being on YouTube when you were eight. From what I understand, you also started writing songs at the same time. So by the time you got to that point, had you been playing an instrument and singing from what age? Um, nine. Okay. Much. So, yeah, so I've always been a creative kid. I can't throw or kick a footy or catch anything to save my life. And I do come from a very sport-orientated family where all the kids played basketball, netball, volleyball, footy, cricket. I wasn't blessed with that gift. Um even though I tried, uh, but create creativity was my outlet throughout mm. life and still is to this day. And um, if it wasn't for songwriting and being creative, like I used to sing my own version of happy birthday from like really little. So um, songwriting came naturally to me and my mum and my dad was like, Kate, you've been singing for a year. You need to learn an instrument because you can't just be a singer. You should be able to accompany yourself. And I'm so thankful for them for pushing me to learn guitar because it opened up so many more doors for myself. Um, And, yeah, so I released my first song when I was 10 and more and more after that. And my first one was I Wish, which I wrote for a little girl here in Wallen. Um, I don't think she lives here anymore, but she had a rare childhood cancer neuroblastoma. And at that point I was on Seven Awesome Kids, a TV, uh, like a YouTube channel. And every Thursday we got given, um, or every week we got given a, um, like a topic. And this one was write a poem of all the things you could wish for. And this young girl came to mind. She used to go to my school and um, I wrote a poem about all the things I wish she could do that I could do and I turned that into a song later and um, that's how I Wish was kind of formed. And That was my first song. I didn't know it at the time that I was writing a song but I wrote a song and every download that I get to this day, um, all the proceeds go towards the You Are My Sunshine Foundation to find a cure for that. Mm. And, um, yeah, so ever, ever since then it's kind of just spiralled into this big thing and it was a hobby at the start but it's not a hobby anymore it's my livelihood and what I love to do and I love my job and I'm really happy to say that it is my job 
Yeah. So given that you were so musical in different facets from a young age, writing songs, singing and playing guitar, were you doing that at school as well? Like were you in a school band or something like that? Um, I wasn't really in a school band until probably year 10. Okay. Um, oh, no, high school. I'm going to say high school because um, in primary school I was part of choir. I was always part of choir and did the musicals and those types of things, but I never had a band or an ensemble or anything like that. But um, when I moved to the Northern College of the Arts and Technology, so NCAT in Preston here in Victoria, um, which was an art school and a trade school, and best three years of my entire life, I was there and I studied music and I lived and breathed music in what I loved. And that's where I made a lot of my great friendships. I formed many bands and it led me to go study music and um, it's just been, music has always been a part of my life one way or another, which is really interesting. But yeah, I've always kind of found my way into things just naturally. (laughs) Well, you found your way to both the junior and senior academies of country music. And I'm wondering, since you are one of the few people who's done both, uh, what differences you perceived in yourself as an artist between those two? So when you went to junior and when you went to senior? Um, so the junior academy I did when I was 12 Oops. and that was after my first Tamworth. So I went to Tamworth, I did the busking, I did everything like that. It was stinking hot. I remember that. And I was like, that was the first last year I ever did busking, but I heard about this academy through the CMAA and my mum and I both went and it was amazing. I made so many friends and that are still are my friends who is and we're all still doing music which is incredible and having that network that you're creating and that foundation and plus you're getting mentored by artists who are in the industry themselves and they're kind of giving you a step up they're giving you everything that they wish they had known at their age or at mm-hmm. our age sorry and the junior one helped a lot with my mum um, knowing what to expect what to do those kinds of things to help and I had the best time my mentor was Amber Lawrence and I still open for her when she comes downtown and it's just amazing and the senior academy I did in 2018 so I was 17 at the time which was probably a good thing because I couldn't go out nothing I had to <laughs> make sure I was home and it probably was a blessing um but the senior academy was the same again like forming all those relationships and that mentoring guidance and my mentor was Ashley Dallas and I learned so much from her and it's funny I had two female mentors how crazy is that um but I was already kind of coming into who I wanted to be as an artist and really cementing myself already in the country music scene so the senior academy I got so much more out of but the junior academy kind of passed the way for me and guided me through everything and the support that you still get after graduating is unbelievable and I absolutely love what they do and I'm even telling my students who are interested in country music to go because I learned so much and I still continue to learn and I still go back to all the things that I learned from my first academy and they all kind of trinkle into everything music wise Mm -hmm. even when I did my bachelor I was still pulling things that I've learned from the academy and it was amazing and I absolutely love the fact that I did it. I'm so thankful that I did it and um, really grateful for the friendships and connections that I made during that time. 
Yeah. So you've done junior academy, senior academy. You now have a Bachelor of Music. You are extremely well credentialed um, in music, but also in other things because you've been involved with the organisation Bully Zero since you were 12 years of age. And I'm wondering how that involvement started and uh, what do you do as an ambassador? So Bully Zero Australia is an organisation that is so close to my heart. Um, Unfortunately, I was a victim of bullying um, through primary school and high school. And that kind of paved the way of me becoming an ambassador for Bully Zero. I was doing a, um, a charity event for them. So I was performing at one of them and I got to chatting with the CEO at the time and told them about my story and what I went through and me being such a young person, they thought they'd take a chance and uh, make me an ambassador. And yeah, since I was 12, so it's like 11 years, which is crazy. Um, of being an ambassador for them but I absolutely love what we do like we go out to schools and workplaces and spread awareness about bullying and it's a lot different now to when I was growing up even like social media was just coming into play as mm. I was leaving high school you know what I mean like it's mm. it's a different um, kettle of fish now because kids don't just have the five days at school and then they have the weekend for a break and they go, okay, it's Monday, let's go again. It's constant now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was very thankful for my music because, like I said, it was an outlet for me and I was able to write what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And I ended up writing a song called Stand Up when I was 12, which is also another reason as to why I became an ambassador for the organisation um, because my song actually got um, placed into Victorian schools for like early um, for primary school and early high school um, kids to listen to the song read the lyrics and that was the way um, teachers were able to um, start that conversation about bullying and why it's not okay Mm -hmm. and um, you know we have a lot of um, kind of sponsorships and we do a lot of endorsements and we you know do a lot of um, kind of campaigns with other companies in order to spread awareness for anti-bullying because it's not okay and unfortunately it is a part of growing up and I'd like to believe that one day it won't be a part of growing up. I'm very thankful in some weird way that I experienced it at such a young age because I learned how to stand up for myself and be assertive and not be a bystander and I'm won't be a bystander anymore or mm. anything. And that's just from my experience. And I grew up quicker emotionally um, at a young age, but it's helped me in so many ways. And I'm I'm always one to give back to my community and give back to everyone who has helped me. And Bully Zero allows me to do that. So I go out to schools when I can. I help out with the campaigns when I can. And it's something that I've always cherished and I'm very grateful that they took that chance on me and still have me as an ambassador for this amazing organization who just wants kids to know and people to know and adults to know that you're not alone mm-hmm. everyone's been through it someone might have been through something very similar mm-hmm. um, and that we're only just a phone call away mm-hmm. well, I think that message of not being alone also extends to the music you create because music is a way of connecting with people and reassuring them that they're not alone and you yeah. said you learned to stand up pretty little thing is certainly a song about that yeah. and you're such a dynamic performer Caleb I can't wait to see what you come up with next but for the moment it has been so great to talk to you 
thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. And yeah, thank you for letting me talk about all these things that I don't really get to talk about. So it's I found it super interesting. I just wish I had more time, but uh, next time, next single. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Thanks, Caitlin. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.